Thank you so much to our choir. Thank you for Aaron and Mary leading us in worship. Full choir today. I like that. Look good. Take your Bibles if you would. In Acts chapter, before, Acts chapter 3, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. might want to keep your Bibles open or keep your smartphone on, whatever you need to do, so we can look at those verses more closely and look at some of those that are around. There are things happening all over today and uh, have been happening. There's something happening in the front and in the back. In the back, if you weren't here last week and you did not pick up your Responding in Faith campaign material, it is uh, there back. It's got your name on it, so it must be for you. And uh, so if you've not picked that up, it has to do, with, of course, with our uh, uh, Retiring the Debt and More campaign. It's going to be happening over the next two or three years, and we're getting close to retiring that debt, so we're just going to take care of it. And uh, you help us to be able to do that. In the front, if you've not been here the last couple of weeks, you may or may not have noticed uh, these blue cards that are on the front, they have to do with our Who's Your One emphasis, of which we're doing this month and even beyond that. But it has to do, of course, with all of these are people who have thought of someone who is lost or unchurched that they know of, that they're going to be praying for, or seeking to share with, inviting, and uh, arranging a meeting with the Lord Jesus. And we encourage you. If you've not participated or if you have others, you can come and lay there. There's two, three hundred there of those that are there. I think I forgot to say it last week because I got both cards sometimes for those who brought those last week. And uh, But if you put a name on it, one card is to keep and one card is to lay. You'll have opportunity to do that at the end of the service. Or what we hope kind of becomes even commonplace when we have our invitation and our song of response that you have opportunity to come to the altar and pray. don't have to kneel. You can come stand, but you might want to come be praying for the very one. And you'll have opportunity to be able to do that. Here toward the end of the service, we're in Acts chapter one, Acts chapter three, verse one. This now is the word of God. Would you stand, if you're able, in honor of the reading of God's word? Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up. He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And verse 11 reads, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. And you may be seated. Heard the story recently of a couple of guys who had started a new transportation and delivery company, and they had were delivering a dog to the Dallas Fort Worth airport, only to discover that upon delivery the dog had died. They were pretty upset about this. Of course, they thought this is not going to be good for our new company. So they came up with a plan. They decided that they would go and they would find another dog that looked like this dog. You can see there's going to be problems in the plan already. So they go and they discover and they search till they find a 
dog that is a dead ringer for the dead dog, some pun intended there. And upon delivery of the lie, now live dog, the lady, the owner, screams at the top of her lungs. Not because she knows that it's not her dog, but because her dog had died a few days ago and it was being delivered to be buried in that very place. Most of us have learned by now that we cannot fix things usually on our own. We need some kind of outside source to be able to help us. And Peter and John had learned by now, certainly by now, that they could not fix theirs or anyone else's problem on their own. But oh, what a difference the name of Jesus makes in the life of the crippled beggar at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3 and many who witnessed this miracle. Have you run across many true beggars lately? You know, you probably have. I mean, even in the place and culture and country in which we live, we know that there are places, certainly if not really close, but we, we, I know of two or three places in cities nearby where just about any day you could go and you know that there's going to be somebody there perhaps with a sign that is begging for food or wanting to give something to them or more, more often wanting you to give them money. We often wonder what to do. Uh, you know, I guess I would say by policy, we don't usually give cash because we're not going to know what happens to that cash, though I've broken that policy on occasion. If we have food with us, there have been times we've given them food or maybe even gone to get food and be able to bring it back. If I'm at a traffic light or something, you know, been, don't say I do it every time, but on occasion certainly lift up prayers. But we often wonder what it is that we're supposed to do. If you've ever been to a third world country, although I, I used that term here some weeks ago and somebody corrected me, they're not called third world countries anymore, but now they're called developing nations. So if you've ever been to a third world developing nation, I'm still probably not using it right. Almost every day in these cities there are beggars who line the streets. And most of the time, I've been, if I've seen this, I've been with missionaries who will tell who will tell us that well, don't start giving out money because of the crowd factor that's going to take place. And if you want to do something, give it to the missionary and let them be able to take care of that. But I have been called a few times maybe with uh, stuff in my pockets with uh, small bills of that whatever country that I may be in. I've started giving some of those out. Now, before you think too much of me, sometimes our bills or their bills will be worth about 12 to 25 of our cents. And so although it can sustain sometimes a beggar maybe for another day or two. But, we, but even if we give everything away, my goodness, and it would just be a drop in the ocean of all the needs that we have perhaps around the world. But it doesn't mean that we don't do anything. But what do you do as a follower of Jesus? Well, Peter and John, I think, help give us an answer to that question. First, you want to honor God in everything that you do. And if the Lord's asking you to give everything away and sell it all, to give it all to the poor, the needy, the homeless, well, that's what you need to be willing to do. But secondly, you who are Parkway Baptist Church, you who are Southern Baptist, you, do, you are helping to feed the hungry and help the homeless around the world. Millions of dollars are given uh, to be able to help feed the hungry even here in Auburn and Lee County. So if you give anything to Parkway Baptist Church already that you are seeking and that you're helping to be able to do that very thing. But third, not only do we want to honor God, we want to reach people also with the message of the, of, of the gospel of Christ. It's worth the cost for the people we might be able to reach. Now you may not be able to help the masses of the hungry and the homeless in the world, but you can help somebody. This year, 
2020, we want to have a clear vision of the future. We've been talking about that. We're not the only ones that are using 2020 for a clear vision, but we want to be able to help others. And so we want to, we want to kind of map out. This is one of the areas in which we want to map out how we might be able to be more effective and even be able to do more with the, those who are in need and those who are hungry and those who are homeless around the world here in Auburn and Lee County. And we have avenues in which we do that now. We want to be able to increase that. However, God does not evaluate the same way we would on a cost-per-person basis. How do I know that? Because the greatest cost, the greatest cost in the universe in the, was the sacrifice of the Son of God. And this greatest gift, this ultimate price of the Son of God that was given for us on the cross of Calvary was given for only one person. It was given for you. It was given for me. It was given for the folks that you have down here on the who's your one, as if for no one else. Here, Peter and John helped a crippled beggar, but the focus is not on those who are in need physically. It's about those who need Jesus, the physical and the spiritually needy. Now, before you can understand how you can reach someone outside the doors of the church, you must want to reach people outside the doors of the church. And I don't mean just a kind of a passing thought that, boy, it would be nice to reach others or be nice to know other people for Jesus, but the, but the Lord needs to begin to build a passion inside of us to be able to reach folks for Christ. And there are people just outside our doors, literally as represented by the beggar outside the temple, and someone just outside our family of believers as represented by the cards on this altar. Here's what you can learn from Peter and John about reaching someone outside the doors of the church. We learned this from Peter and John from this text. Make worship and prayer your regular practice. Make worship and prayer your regular practice. John and Peter came to the temple at the regular time to pray, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, consider for just a moment how life had changed for Peter and John just over the past couple of months, how they had observed Jesus the one who they had been following now for three years, he had been placed on the cross. Three days later, he rose again. And they had spent 40 days with him, and they'd seen the ascension take place. They waited there in Jerusalem. And then Acts chapter 2 is the experience at Pentecost, the dramatic coming of the Holy Spirit, where 120 followers of Jesus spoke in different languages. 3,000 were saved in one day. Surely it was a whirlwind of emotional experience that had just happened in the two months prior to the verses that we read here in Acts chapter 3. But they did not discontinue their spiritual disciplines. Three o'clock in the afternoon is the usual time in the Jewish faith for prayer. But most Jewish prayers prayed particularly at that time were ritualistic, like genuine experience with God and sincerity. But the disciples of Jesus for them, surely the prayers gained a reality that was met with a daily walk with the risen again Lord. Even the time of 3 o'clock had special significance that it didn't have before. You know, for students and teachers, I bet there are prayers that are lifted at 3 o'clock every afternoon during the daytime. Do you remember when everybody used to get out at 3 o'clock and now it's between 2.15 and 3.45 or something, different times that people get out? But I bet you there are a lot of prayers lifted around that time Thank Jesus the day is done, you know, for students or for teachers. But here we have all consider for those first disciples for months and years to follow, they could not come at a 3 o'clock prayer time 
without being reminded that at 3 o'clock on that first Good Friday afternoon, their friend, their Lord, the Master, their Savior, spoke his last three words, it is finished, and breathed his last. Surely this prayer had them thanking the Son of God who left the throne room of heaven, willingly gave his life so that they might be saved. I suspect when our emotions run low or sometimes when things are going really well, there are times that we may neglect being spiritually disciplined. That is, spending time alone with God and spending time with others and lifting up prayers and study of God's Word and praise. But if we're going to reach beyond the walls into the world we live, we will need to spend time worshiping, thanking, and praising the God who's redeemed us from sin and praying for the world in which we live so that we might be able to expect and anticipate the promise that we read just a couple of three weeks ago here in this room. We read in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 where it says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. As we make worship and prayer a regular practice, then we'll be ready for the second lesson we can learn from Peter and John, these verses about reaching the world in which we live. Pay attention to the world and the people around you. Pay attention to the world and people around you because how we view the horizontal will certainly affect how we view the vertical. In other words, a genuine experience with the risen Lord, with our living God, will lead us into seeing the world around us through different eyes. In Acts 2 is the famous scene of the believers gathered together at Pentecost and the dramatic coming of the Holy Spirit with the sound of the rushing wind and the appearance of fire and the city of Jerusalem rushed into where they were. Oh, I hope that the Holy Spirit does such a great work in the life of our church that people will rush through these doors in order that they might be able to see what is happening and what's going on and want to be a part. And as they come in, they hear the good news of the gospel and people will be saved. But if that's all that we hope for, just that people will come rushing in through these doors, well, we will only have half a ministry and perhaps maybe not even that and never reach our full potential. For our purpose includes not only what happens inside the church, but what happens when we leave this place and enter into the realm of the world beyond our doors. And most of the time, we don't have to go very far if we'll pay attention. Just outside the gate of the temple was the man who had been lame from birth. Every day he'd been placed there by someone over 40 years. Now, maybe he wasn't placed there as a child, but certainly all of his adult life, it seems that he'd been placed there by someone, maybe a family member, but maybe somebody, since they weren't caring for him, maybe it was somebody that was saw him no more than a nuisance at the gate outside the temple. He was placed at the gate called Beautiful. He was placed there to beg from people going in and outside a temple. They seemed to pick a good spot. I mean, if you're going to beg, you might as well go to the Beautiful Gate. Don't go to the Ugly Gate. There was actually ten gates leading into the temple. Nine of those were inlaid with gold and silver, but not this one. We don't know particularly. There was no... There's no gate officially called the beautiful gate. If you look up the beautiful gate, it'll only be shown here in Acts chapter 3. But most believe that this is the gate. It was the gate that was covered in what's called Corinthian bronze, considered to be more beautiful and certainly more expensive even than all the other gates. And he was placed there day in and day out to be carried on his mat. Hope the Jewish people who visited the temple 
were coming in, maybe wanting to impress God to give him some alms, maybe wanting to impress others. Or this is one of the disciplines of the Jewish faith was to give alms and to pray. Most people who passed this beggar either ignored him altogether or maybe tossed him a coin or two, hardly ever seeing the person who was really doing the begging. Until this day, Peter and John comes to the temple. I think that's why there's such emphasis on the word see and look. Look again at verses 3 through 5, if you would, and notice the words. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked, to receive alms and Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said look at us and he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them he sees Peter and John and maybe for one of the first times they see him how interesting it is because in Acts chapter 2 they had just seen 3,000 people come to Christ and then here in Acts 3 Acts 2 3,000 people come to Christ and here in Acts 3 a new principle emerges those who desire to reach the many care about the one. Something struck me while reading this passage and noticing that the beggar was at the same gate every day. This wasn't the first time Peter and John come to the gate. Surely it wasn't the first time that they had entered, but maybe it's the first time they'd noticed this particular lame man. Before the cross, it seems that the disciples were all about the mission following Jesus and setting up the new kingdom. Though they didn't completely understand what the new kingdom was going to be about, they were about the mission. Peter particularly, he was ready to die for the mission and to die for Jesus if that's what it took. When Jesus told them that he was going to Jerusalem to die, he did say he was going to rise again. They always seemed to miss that part. But when he said he was going to Jerusalem to die, Peter said, not on your life, not that will not be. Of course, Jesus had to rebuke Peter, particularly at that point. Well, but after the resurrection, the ascension of the day of Pentecost, their mission to now seems to be more concerned with people and not just the mission. Here's what I hope happens. Do we leave this place maybe with a new sense of mission? We'll not be concerned with completing projects and programs, but me more concerned with people. For the mission is the people. It is for other people in which we've come together today, in which we get exist as a church, for those who are outside the walls of the church and outside the body of Christ, that they might be able to know Him. Outside the doors of the church are people who are crippled and lame spiritually because of sin in their life. Some are in broken homes, some are in financial crisis, others are involved in substance abuse or sexual addiction. Some really are physically handicapped. Some have believed the lies of the world that truth is relative and it doesn't matter what you believe and morality is a joke. But they have or will discover through their own experience that living that way is fine for beer commercials and cable reality television, but it doesn't work in real life. They need, need somebody who knows Jesus to be able to tell them the way that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and to notice and to pay attention to them. For everyone who's not part of the body of Christ is crippled spiritually. Some may not even know they're headed for destruction, but the truth is that all people need to know the love of God and our love for God will indeed affect our love for others. 1 John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and everyone who's been born of God 
and knows God. It, if you'll pay attention to look at the world through the loving eyes of God, you'll notice people in need whom you've never noticed before. We have before us these 200, maybe 300 names that are here that you placed on the altar, so you are aware that there are lost and unchurched who need Jesus. I'm asking you not only to pray for these, but I'm asking you to arrange a meeting to where they be able to be introduced to Jesus and be able to know Him, to share your Jesus story, to share the good news of the gospel so that they might be led to Jesus. Just imagine if all those who laid something here on the altar and all those who will in the next week or two, that if every one of us sought to pray for and to arrange a meeting with the Lord Jesus, just imagine what will happen in 2020 if we seek to do that before this year is out. Oh, I get excited just thinking about it and believing and knowing that it's true and that that can happen. But here's something else that will happen. Kind of a side benefit. In your quest to share with who's your one, you will begin to notice others. And the Lord may give you unexpected opportunities and places to share Jesus with someone not on your list. For you see, sometimes the Lord gives you opportunities to share with somebody that you didn't go after to make up for the one that you went after and didn't get. At least not yet. Do I need to say that again? Sometimes the Lord gives you opportunity to be able to share with someone that you did not go after to make up for the one that you went after that you didn't get. At least not yet. Well, something else that you can learn from Peter and John. To listen to the needs of people in the direction of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the needs of people in the direction of the Holy Spirit. The lame man saw Peter and John and asked them specifically for alms for a charitable donation. His greatest need, he thought, was survival for the day. Peter and John stopped and looked at him. Surely the beggar thought, this is the day. Somebody's going to give me more than nickels and dimes. And particularly when they said, look at us. Pay attention closely. And verse 5 says that he was expecting something. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, comma. Now, what's the one thing that you learn in English grammar about commas? Put a comma where there's a pause in the sentence. And, you know, I may have made up that rule, I'm not sure. Because I can remember uh, some time when I was in school writing a research paper of some kind and thinking, surely I had waxed on paper eloquently and used flowery words and long flowing sentences and it came back dripping in red ink and these words are written. Watch with all the commas. Uh, you ever heard of a simple sentence? I've used less commas since. But sometimes commas are necessary and important. Had Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, period, and kept walking. By the way, which is a lot of times what we do. I don't have anything for you, buddy. This life and his eternal life would not have been changed, not to mention thousands of others. But during that split second or two of that comma, the lame beggar surely had to be thinking, what a disappointment. Why am I wasting time with these penniless guys? What a letdown. But he was about to learn a lesson about the beautiful name of Jesus while being at the gate called Beautiful. Here's what you and I need to be convinced about. We have that which is more precious than silver and is more beautiful than gold. If we have the Holy Spirit in our life and have experienced the love of God, which is freely given to all who will receive and can flow through us. 
it's okay if we think about this scene for just a moment at the gate called Beautiful. Was he the only beggar at the gate that day? Oh, the only beggar ever at the gate called Beautiful. He surely was not the only lame one in the city of Jerusalem. I suspect that there were many beggars in Jerusalem in that day. Then why this guy? Well, maybe he was the worst off. Maybe he had a really great personality. Or maybe it was the opposite. Maybe he was the ugliest guy at the gate called Beautiful and God wanted to make a point. We don't know why, but this we know. As Job chapter 34 and verse 28, so many verses in the Bible tells us, God hears the cries of the afflicted. He knows the ones who are needy physically and emotionally and spiritually. And this guy was ready. Ready to be touched by the healing and the saving hand of God. I mean, think about it. He'd been in Jerusalem maybe all of his adult life, maybe all of his adult life brought to this very spot. He said he was brought there daily. So he's been there for the last couple of months. He was there when Jesus was coming in Jerusalem during his triumphal entry. He was there when Jesus was taken to the cross, when there was darkness in the middle of the day, darker than night for three hours, when graves were open, when Jesus resurrected and heard of his resurrection and heard of his appearances for many days. He was there at the temple when the time of Pentecost had come and 120 people spoke in different languages. He was there and 3,000 were saved. There in that one very spot, if he had not seen it himself, he certainly had heard about all that occurred. Listen, when someone who sits outside the doors of the church but whose heart is ready to know and experience the love of God comes in contact with someone who is listening to the Holy Spirit, following the direction, a divine appointment takes place and the lesson is that which is beautiful occurs. Well, how do we know who's ready? Well, most of the time maybe we don't, but God does. But if we'll make worship and prayer our regular practice, if we'll pay attention to the world and the people around us, if we'll listen to the needs of others and particularly to the Holy Spirit, beautiful divine appointments will occur. Then you will be ready to give others out of the abundance and the blessings that you have been given. Second. Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 11. I love this verse. Paul's writing to the church of Corinth. And he tells them, he says, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now automatically you look at that and you think of money. Well, the Lord's going to bless me materially so I can be a blessing to others. But it must not be about money because we have Peter and John. We're broke. How do we know? Because they said they were. If they had had any money, they gave it to the church back in Acts chapter 2 and verse 45 when it said everybody gave to the church to everybody that was in need. But Peter said, what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. There's the often told story of Thomas Aquinas. He's a theologian and a priest that lived around the 1300s. He's, uh, he comes in and he's visiting the Pope. And the Pope was counting a large sum of money that had been given to the church. And he looked up and said, Ah, Thomas, the Pope says this to Thomas. He said, Ah, Thomas, the church can no longer say, Silver and gold have I none. To that Thomas responded, But neither can we say, Arise and walk. Peter and John gave of what they had, faithfulness and obedience and authority and surely the gift of healing. Our church, we cannot say silver and gold have we none. But 
If we've been blessed financially, well, we need to be a blessing financially as well. But this is not just a lesson on tithing or giving to the poor. For each of us have been given a gift. Holy Spirit has been given each one of us a gift. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus and our gifts are, well, probably most of us don't feel that we have the gift of healing, but you may have the gift of teaching. You may have the gift of encouragement. You may have the gift of service. You may have the gift of evangelism. However you've been gifted, you need to be generous in serving God and others. And what life-changing power and authority it has when it's given in the beautiful and the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I always think details are important in the Scriptures. Take a look at what it says in verse 7. What did Peter do? He reached down his right hand. It particularly says, it's not a, he reached down his right hand, helped the lame beggar up. He touched him. The lame man who most people felt like he was lame probably because of some sin in his life or sin in maybe his family's life, but he was considered unclean, never be able to come into the temple area. He was dirty, maybe smelled bad, needed a bath, but Peter touched him. And his feet and his ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. The man who wanted money experienced a miracle. Over 40 years a cripple. Now he is leaping and ready to be on Dancing with the Stars Jerusalem edition. But the miracle's not over. For what was happening at the gate called beautiful involved more than money, involved more than healing. It was a move toward the eternal. Take a look and read verse 8 if you would. We read a moment ago, but notice, where did he go? He went into the temple. He'd been outside the doors, but now for the first time he's able to go inside and he's praising God. The greatest miracle is the one not accepted and not noticed is now brought in and has experienced the love of God. Listen, folks, people will have a hard time experiencing the love of God in their lives if they're not experiencing the love of, from God's people. Here's the point. Those who are outside the doors of the church, the body of Christ, need to be brought into the body and join the family of God, which is made possible only by His grace. About uh, maybe about a decade ago, I guess, my daughter went to do summer mission work in Hawaii. Was there for the summer for the, with the North American Mission Board. Talk about suffering for Jesus. Of course, being good parents, we had to go visit her while she was there. And we helped out with the you know, church and did mission work while we were there. We hardly saw the beach at all, more than two or three times a day. But we did help there. There was a particular family in the church there where she was serving. It was, uh, they were Japanese-American, generous, wonderful people, befriended her and us. And Every uh, year now, right around Christmas time, they send us a care package from Hawaii. It contains many things including uh, uh, chocolate covered macadamia nuts like these. And uh, when we were leaving, we'd been there a week and we, this family met us at the airport. We, uh, we had our own car met at the airport and they brought us two boxes of macadamia nuts about Three times bigger than this. It was a huge thing of, with a handle on it like this. Two of them. So my, my carry-on was the two boxes of macadamia nuts. And so we, as we got on the plane, we had a layover in Las Vegas and then on to Nashville. But So here I am carrying these two boxes everywhere we go of macadamia nuts, huge boxes from the airplane to Nashville, uh, to, uh, to Las Vegas and then to Nashville, 
we got noticed everywhere we went. Hey, where'd you get those? Even getting on the plane in Hawaii, where'd you get those? I'm thinking, I'm sure they sell them in the airport, don't you know? Hey, can I have some of those? Would you share some of those with me everywhere we went? I never felt so popular. <laughs> Would we live such a Christ-like life full of love that we could not help but be noticed? That people want to say, how do I get what you've got? Would you share with me? Notice verses 9 and 10. It says, and all the people saw him standing, walking, and praising God. And verse 10 says, And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were amazed this one had been changed so dramatically, physically, and spiritually. People also need to see you and me walking with Jesus and praising the name above all things. Don't think it doesn't make a difference. But there's something else. Verse 11 says, Now, that says that the now healed, heavenly new follower of Jesus clung to Peter and John, and all the people ran and gathered around them. And according to verse 12, what did Peter do? Peter shared the truth. Why do you, why do you stare at us as if we are the ones who has called to this miracle? It's not by our own powers, by the power of the name of Jesus. You skip down to verse 15. He told the truth, brutally honest. He says, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. And to this we are witnesses. Now, I told you that I think that details are important. He did this at Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch, located outside the temple east of the outer court. The truth must be shared inside and outside the church and inside and outside the family of God. But when these things get together, you and I walking with Jesus, you and I praising the name of Jesus, you and I sharing the truth about the name of Jesus, the power of that name will be dramatically revealed. I said earlier that Peter and John said, Silver and gold have I done, and just, had they just kept walking, that life would not have been changed as well as thousands of others. Look at chapter 4 and verse 4 of Acts. Where it says, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So, from this passage, we also learn to give people what they really need love and acceptance. Let us be like Jesus, never condoning sin, but always loving sinners. And let's make it even more personal. God knows those who are ready, those who need to accept Christ, those who need a chance. Would you go from this day forward? knowing that there is a divine appointment already being set. We've just got to show up. The truth is, you and I were at one time the picture of the lame man who is outside the temple. And somebody came and shared with us. And we were completely healed and forgiven of sin so that we might be able to go in and become part of the family of God. And for those outside the church, if you're not part of the family yet, today we invite you to come in. Give your heart and life to Jesus today. Because today might be that divine appointment that you come so that you might be able to receive Jesus. Know that you have a home in heaven and know that you have Christ in your heart today. Let's bow for prayer.
Father, it's with great anticipation that we enter into your house today, knowing that you're always going to be at work. We thank you for this opportunity, and we thank you, Father, for the true story that we read today of this one who was lame, crippled, and a beggar, coming to know Jesus, being healed, and becoming a part of the family of God. Father, if there's one here right now who's outside of the family of God, Father, we pray today that it might be the day in which they call upon Him. And Father, we pray that all of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus, that we might be ready to watch for those divine appointments, for that time and that placing. Help us to be able to understand the significance of abiding in You, seeking Your face so that we might be able to see the world and see other people, see someone as You see them. We pray, Father, there be many opportunities in the days to come. We thank you, Father, for how you're going to continue to be at work. We lift these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our song of response today. And as we do, our pastors are down here at the front. I'm down here. And we'd love to talk with you if the Lord's leading you to make a decision today. Come accepting Christ. Maybe you already have and you need to come for baptism or come and make that public today. If you're looking for a church home, we welcome you and we invite you. We'll come down the aisle and just say, I'm already a believer, and I want to come and join this family. We'll take it from there, and we'll help you through all the next steps as well. Our altar's open. If you've not put a Hoosier One card, or you'd like to put another card, or you'd like to come and pray, maybe for someone, or any prayers that you'd like to lift, our altar is open. You can come do that as we sing together. You come as we sing.